But this was a good warm-up, I think, actually. I'm yeah. happy that we were uh, talking about Fire various animal. idea influences. I promise. So guess what? I'm going to go back we to playing Pikmin, Pikmin 4 so that <laughs> I have more interesting things to talk about. Because if I'm talking about getting gay married to Marth every week, you guys are going to get sick of it real fast. Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, I want to know about your be- beautiful gay life together. Uh, the, you, none of that happens. All we're doing is moving seven spaces in one turn and then killing yeah. somebody in one hit. But it's you're not... moving seven spaces together, and that's romantic. <laughs> Gra- we're, grabbing uh, each we're, other's weapon we're, triangle. We're using we're using flurry yeah. rush with the with the falchion to uh, kill a, you know a mounted enemy in one hit, which is great because uh, you know if that mounted enemy was kept alive, it might hurt me and Marth because mm-hmm. we're both using swords. Yeah, and that mounted But then if it does hurt lance. you, then you have some really good like. Um, angst fuel for your fanfic? Well, you could say that, but we would just die and I'd have to restart the chapter. Fellas, <laughs> is it gay to share a health pool with another guy? <laughs> we're like really close, dude. We, we, we have the same health if bar. If we get hit, we're both <laughs> taking damage. I don't know. Kind of gay. You're telling me you're sharing a health bar with another man. Uh, I don't know. You're letting another man equip weapons from the same pool as oh, you. Oh, man. <laughs> He's giving you skills? <laughs> And welcome to Please Don't Listen to This, Your Life Depends On It, the show where we do something different every single week, and there's a big hole at the table this week that I'm not going to address. So, uh, we um, we have this week a guest request episode. We uh, were asked to play the tabletop game Gloomhaven, specifically the Jaws of the Lion prequel expansion. Um... And uh, we all got together and did that over the weekend. But I have with me here some of the classes of Gloomhaven. I'm trying to remember the exact names of the two that you had. Uh, I want to say, because I I, I remember the, I remember mine and I remember uh, Andrew's because it was so, it was such a specific name. Mm. Um, Actually, I remember Seb's. So I am going to say that I have here with me the hatchet, Seb. Hey. <laughs> he looks like that. He looks like he would say that. He's, he he's like very he dark looking. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's got like three horns sticking out of his mm-hmm. head. And he's got a big hat. Does he look like he would rush into harm's way? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he would be harm. He would be harm. All yeah. right. Oh. People rush that would be a good name way. if you had yeah. to name another one. Harm. Yeah, I named, him, I named him Gary Outex because he's an Inex yeah. hunter. <laughs> That's a good name. Yeah. That's clever. We have the demolitionist, Alex. Hello. 
Boom. I refresh 10% of your grenade energy on every kill. <laughs> that's a very, that's a destiny joke. That's good. I like that, actually. <laughs> and I'm your host, the Red Guard, Nick. Um, and I will be absorbing ideally 75% of the damage that is uh, dished out by the enemies. <laughs> ideally. It doesn't always work out that Unless way. I jump in front of Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, look, I can't. I'm not a miracle worker. I can, I can take some hits, but I cannot suck them away from another place. Look, I was I was basically the rogue class, sort of, and rogues have to do the most DPS. Inferred by you. Yeah. I don't think that anything that was written down supported your theory about that. I need to pull the most aggro. <laughs> All right. Well, um, this was a tabletop game with very uh, heavily defined class roles and skills. Every uh, class pulled from their own deck of cards when they attacked or did actions, uh, meaning that even basic things like movement were completely controlled by what uh, cards were in your deck. Yeah. Now, when it comes to classes in a team game, it's completely different from the kind of thing we were just talking about a couple weeks ago with Street Fighter. Picking a main in a competitive game where you're all playing against another person is very different from picking a class to build your own character around when you're playing a team game where the, you're working towards the same goal. Mm -hmm. um, in Dungeons and Dragons, there's very much an element of role playing that comes into there. And But when you're playing a game that's a little more crunchy, focused on the numbers, it's all about what kind of things you want to do during gameplay. Mm -hmm. Do you and, want to hang back and throw things or do you want to be on the front line? Yeah, do you want to be taking damage? Do you want to have do you want to be able to say spells with interesting names and crazy effects or would you rather swing a big weapon to hit your opponent mm. for damage? <laughs> and then when you get into like really high-end rating on any MMO really, it gets it can get to the point where it's the only thing that matters is what the raid leader tells you you have to play for the benefit of the entire raid's loadout. You you guys actually both have experience doing raids in different kinds of games, of course. But yeah. I am curious to know if there is a role that you gravitate towards in that sort of gameplay style, especially you said with the experience, so much experience in WoW. Um, I'm definitely a melee DPS. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. I don't like being squishy, which the range tend to be, mm -hmm. um, and I don't like having people explicitly depend on me like being a tank or being a healer like especially heals yeah heals you have to be on top of shit all the one time. one of the funnier things about that is that even if the failure was the result of a team or the result of a single person no matter what happens the healer always gets blamed for not keeping yeah. everyone alive oh, yeah. <laughs> even if it was an instant kill nuke that hits the whole screen it's like what the fuck how come you didn't heal us yeah. it's like you really should have healed me yeah if, if i die as an arms warrior in world of warcraft nobody gives a shit mm -hmm. like i'm not even doing the most dps because arms warriors just have never been that good Warlocks are, like, I like Warlocks. I like playing Warlocks, but I never really play them too much. I just like my Arms Warrior because it feels like I'm doing a lot of damage, um, even if I'm not. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's relaxing mm -hmm. compared to the other roles because all you have to do is go up to the guy and uh, hit him, and then if he starts throwing shit at you, run away. <laughs> That's pretty much yeah. it. In a way, less, less high stress yeah. than some of yeah. the other roles. Right. Ideally, That's a good if you are DPS in the classic triangle of uh, tank, uh, healer, DPS, you are just doing damage. It's the only thing you have to think about is doing damage. How do I do the most damage? I 
activate you know multipliers or buffs and I just get in there and do damage because you you're not even so much worried about taking damage because ideally the other two people should be ca taking care of the taking damage part for mm -hmm. you but that right. doesn't really always work out that way either because the the game requires you to think on your feet or because uh, you cannot always rely on other people to handle that sort of thing for you but I think that in a way, it allows you to focus the most on yourself. Yeah. Um, there's also that if you're in a smaller group, like a three or a five man group, mm -hmm. uh, as DPS, you do end up being more important than you would in a raid um, because like one guy is pulling aggro, one guy is healing, and it's your job to kill the enemy. Yeah, right. If, if, so you're just as damage. important right. as the other people. <laughs> right. Because it will never end if it's just the other two. The raid will never end because nothing yeah. will die. So you <laughs> are the person who controls when it ends at that point. Oh, I've seen some really clutch <laughs> tanks in mm -hmm. WoW. Like, mo mostly in um, uh, just dungeon settings. Mm -hmm. But everybody will, like, wipe except for the tank or even the off tank. Mm -hmm. And they'll just run around and run around and run around <laughs> and, like, do like dots or something until the the boss dies and it's really fucking cool to watch <laughs> it's like hype somebody as hell. Yeah. yeah so yeah it's really hype uh, cuz you you're just like sitting there like go 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 and then they do it and you're like yeah <laughs> that rules yeah uh, destiny's weird cuz everybody kind of does everything it's mm -hmm. cuz the teams are smaller so the all everyone has to kind of do most of the roles um, but if there is a like a raid or a dungeon encounter where one or two people are doing mechanics and then everyone else does damage, I tend to like to do the mechanics part. Mm. Uh, so there's one guy in uh, in Kingsfall, Golgoroth. He does. He has kind of a like an aggro pull mechanic where two people have to trade off keeping his attention while everyone else shoots him in the chest. Mm. So that's kind of a role where you have to. Uh, get his attention and stand in the right spot so that everyone can hit his weak point. Uh, and then when the buff is about to run out, you have to communicate to the other person to to take it. And then it switches over and then you repeat. Uh, but I tend to like that kind of stuff generally when I'm doing a raid team. I like to be, I like to know how everything works as opposed to just shooting the boss, yeah. which yeah. you can kind of get away with just being like, okay, stand here and shoot all your weapons. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me, there, there was one pretty unique boss in uh, Mist of Pandaria where um, there was a phase where you had to heal it in Ooh, order cool. to like beat the boss because it was like a corrupted dragon yeah, or like something an like that. Yeah, like an Classic Final Fantasy style, yeah. use life on undead enemy sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. It, I it say that, but cool. I'm pretty sure that's an old holdover from old D&D &D stuff as well where that works. Just, I think so. Uh, using using, that's, using cure that's permeated yes. like every rpg it, it yeah. was pretty unique for a while boss you don't normally see that um but it was like it was the healer's job but to yeah, defeat the, the boss the healers were damaged by that yeah. <laughs> that's funny yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know i i tended i like to gravitate towards the more like um leadership roles i don't know if that if that mm -hmm. makes sense like anything that's like okay here we go do this like i'm going to be doing more the, dots, more dots. Yeah, I'm going to be standing here doing the call-outs and everybody stand behind me and mm -hmm. do the thing. When you, now for a little while, you played sixes in TF2, right? What kind of a role were you playing Oh, there? yeah, but being a, I was, a, I'm a scout main. Mm -hmm. uh, and generally, the way that uh, sixes in TF2 works is that you're not, uh, that's completely opposite. You're not a shot caller at all if you're a scout. Because <laughs> you're supposed to flank and, uh, and like take out enemies after someone calls out that they've taken damage. Mm -hmm. 
Um, you are like more of a cleanup scavenger. You run with the second scout because mm-hmm. the team meta is two scouts, two scouts, two soldiers, demo man, and medic. Mm-hmm. And the medic sticks with the demo man and one soldier generally. And then the other three players usually play the flank routes and try and get uh, get picks. It is funny that uh, competitive TF2 sixes does not have. Um, Four of the nine classes in the game. Yep, but I understand why it works. And out you can that way. you can swap. It's not like yes. a, it's not right, set right. in stone. It's just the way right. things have boiled down meta wise. Yeah, like here's what is most efficient at killing the other team. A lot of a lot of the times again. people will swap. Like if you have a good sniper or a spy, sometimes you'll swap. Like a scout or a soldier will swap off to try and get like like if they're holding last point and they have uber charge. Mm-hmm. If you can poke in there, kill the medic, you have a huge advantage. Uh, even if you're like down one of your players because they're not playing soldier or something, mm-hmm. you can still rush in and win, no problem usually. Yeah, but yeah, I I, I like that kind of scavenger cleanup role too. Mm-hmm. That it was a lot of fun to be kind of uh, to go in there. Maybe I definitely died more than most most of my teammates. Well, but. that's like a. I mean, that does fit with what you're describing for as an, as a role that's very aggressive. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's something. Because, I mean, there's different kinds of aggression, right? There's wanting to make sure you get in there and then wanting to always make sure you're active. Because some people like to be aggressive, but they don't necessarily want to be engaged all the time. They don't want to put themselves at risk. Yeah. Um, and that is where you get the people who really want to be sniper or whatever. They want to be. They want to do their own thing. Yeah. Um, not in really in competitive sixes, but like in, in like a game like that in general. They're like, I would like to be either a caster with a, with a crazy spell and special names, or I would like to be a guy... With a gun who can stand at the exact right range and shoot the enemy. Yeah. And I want other people to take care of all the fiddly stuff. I can just, I can play my single player game over here. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I keep going back to WoW, but it's it's my uh, yeah, biggest it's, frame it's, of reference. It's, it's very relevant um, to what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, in Battlegrounds, there's stuff like that where you can kind of just like camp people while somebody else captures the flag. Or in Alterac Valley, you, you know, go through and get like little smaller objectives while other people go through and, yeah. and go to the big boss at the end of the um at Alterback valley um just stuff like that like i in the battlegrounds i always kind of like because it was against other players and they're more scary mm-hmm. um <laughs> i was kind of like okay well i'll be over here and kind of uh camp this spot that nobody's um at. i'll like watch a, i'll watch this lane it's, <laughs> it's yeah. the one that nobody goes down yeah but you know if somebody comes <laughs> yep. down here you yep. know i'm here and I'm, I'm doing my job and that's how i was in real capture the flag too like yeah. if i was guarding the flag i would pretend that i wasn't paying attention until somebody came up to try oh, to capture the flag and then i'd be deception. like you know, yeah, mm-hmm. um, no, I'd I'd be that um, in capture the flag, or I'd be kind of like scouting the edges to make yeah. sure nobody came around. Which you feel like you're doing something, but in that situation, I kind of probably was. I, I was talking about this a little bit off mic because um, a couple uh, friends of the fr- friends of the show have started playing uh, Dungeons and Dragons a little bit, uh, and we just had our first uh, first little meetup where we all made characters and. Uh, friend of the show Dom I was able to immediately clock the kind of character he would want to play mm. just because he's so he always naturally kind of goes toward the sneaky assassin type so uh, he immediately was like I want to be a rogue and I want to be sneaky and I'm like yeah it's just funny to be able to clock somebody like that oh yeah but There's that's that's people... a good role too I like mm. that um now in my very real life I do <laughs> tank stuff and I definitely have <laughs> yeah. um have in elements of my personality the idea of 
oh well, if I get hurt or if I if I go and take care of something, then somebody else doesn't have to do it, and that's okay. You're the because, soldier like standing over the yeah bed, yeah taking the knives <laughs> and the grenades. <laughs> the fucking meme kneeling over the <laughs> yeah. over the sleeping child, getting hit with knives yeah. and uh, knives and flames <laughs> and grenades. But like that is more about my personality as opposed to what. Uh, like, because I don't usually necessarily play that role in games, although I do like it when it's available. In something like Dungeons and Dragons, I am so rarely a player that I don't even know what I like necessarily. I feel like I want always want to try something different. I've been a monk, I've done a mage, I've done a couple of other things. Uh, never long enough to truly say that I have a preference for one or another. But in team games, I do tend to end up in the role of the healer because of the personality stuff I was just talking about. Even though I said that I am more tanky, what ends up happening is that people don't pick the healer because they have this weird idea that it's boring. Mm. But I was a cleric I really... once, and that was really cool because you could fight, and then you could also heal people. You could I protect, people, and you could attack. Yeah, I you feel protect, like you attack. The healing <laughs> role is really, or the healing or support role is actually really cool and fun. Because it makes you interactive with not just the enemy, but also your team. And that is something that other classes, uh, DPS and, and tank classes, in, in shooters or in MMOs or whatever, like if you're playing as DPS, you don't do anything to the other players, almost yeah. ever. The only time um, I'll ever say this, but shout out Overwatch. Uh, yeah. They have good support options. They do. One of the ones, I was just talking about this with... Um, uh, one of my coworkers, because he mentioned Overwatch, and I'm like, okay, well, I have a lot of experience with that game at launch, a completely different thing than it is now. <laughs> um, but uh, I really liked Lucio in that game because the idea of being able to influence your team's rollout is a really interesting way of doing yeah. support. Because at Group the beginning of the round, I'm, I'll rush you to back to the at back the line. beginning That's of true. the round, you don't need to heal anyone, yeah. so it's cool to give the player something to do to get to the fight quicker and have have fun with that idea. So. There's that, and the idea, like like playing Medic in TF2, I like using the quick fix because my idea of playing Medic is not just staying on one guy until they're Ubered. Yeah. I would rather play completely, you know, uh, like trauma, nurse, ER yeah. doc kind of thing. Of like, you want to be able to heal yeah, as many people yeah, as quickly as you can, yeah, and absolutely. that's exactly what that weapon does. Run around and, and uh, get every single member of the team, and that's the idea that I really like of like being involved in what your team is doing, like in what your team is doing as well as what the enemy is doing, having to know where to avoid uh, because it's dangerous, but also knowing where your teammates are and trying not to let them get too far away from you and get themselves killed doing something yeah. stupid. The like, like second, like like two hundred one thing for playing medic is like knowing because you can look at your teammates and you know how much health they have. But if you see someone who's like in a safe position but at low health, mm -hmm. sometimes it is better to heal someone with more health that is in more danger. Mm -hmm. So like keeping all that stuff in mind is really cool. Like oh, mm -hmm. there is a soldier right in front of this guy. He's at full health, but I'm gonna put my beam on him because he's going to get murked. <laughs> with that in mind, uh, there's something that I only fell in love with. Um, Okay, so uh, something I brought up with on this show uh, uh, many times before is that uh, when Monster Hunter 4 Ultimate came out for 3DS, I got addicted to it. But I didn't end up playing the Hunting Horn, that game's only version of a support class, uh, until Monster Hunter World uh, a few years later. And the Hunting Horn is still a blunt weapon. You can hit the enemy with it to do damage. Uh, and it does pretty funny. good damage, but... Depending on what attacks you use, you will play notes. Like a vertical swing does, like let's say, a green note. Um, and you do two green notes 
and then you press R2, and that is like a special attack that doesn't do a ton of damage, but it plays a song with whatever the last three notes you had were. Okay. And that song can be a healing song, it can be a buffing song, it can be like a something that something that you normally need to have specific armor skills to activate, like earplugs. What every monster hunter, the monster roars every time you get close uh, to it for the first time, and it will always stun you. But if you have earplugs, it doesn't affect you, and you can start doing damage immediately. So not only are you swinging your giant uh, set of bagpipes or whatever to hit the monster in the head for blunt damage, you are also activating buffs and healing and uh, giving special little. Um, armor skills to people that they wouldn't normally have. And the first time I played this with Emily, I activated a health regen on her, and she said, what is that? Why did you do that to me? And I said, I'm healing you. And she said, why did you do Stop that? Stop it. Yeah. Didn't she didn't like the idea that. that I was interfering with her game. I'm like, yeah. oh, I, I thought we were having... Die. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think... She probably wouldn't have died, but I would. I, that way she doesn't have to drink a potion herself. I can keep the action going. And I thought it was funny that somebody would react like that. So annoying <laughs> that, I, my game. that I interfered with their game. <laughs> Whereas, uh, to me, the, the fun of, of playing a team game like that is the idea that you get to play with everyone and not just your enemies. Yeah. So that's yeah. something that I was thinking about. Yeah, that's a good uh, good thesis for that. I like that. I bet she likes the new Pokemon um, co-op where you just play alongside a player and not do anything You're with You're doing them at your all. own thing. Yeah. yeah. Like the like how the weird little ghosts show up or what? No, like no, it, like you could play directly with someone else in the new Pokemon games. Oh, uh, but they yeah. just exist in your. It's basically just you are both playing Pokemon, but you could mm -hmm. run into each other if you right, wanted to. Right, right, right. That's I see what you mean there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I think that that's kind of more up her alley. I think that the idea of being interacted with while in a video game, like in in, in a video game. That's the safe space for her. She doesn't have to be interacted with. I don't yeah. know. She, I don't think she wants to be interacted with in real life most of the time. Either. <laughs> you know, sometimes and sometimes not. But um, I think that we've basically covered our bases. Unless anyone else has anything they want to bring up. Yeah. Yeah. If, yeah, if you give set. me a big weapon, I will probably want to swing it. That makes yeah. sense to me. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, um, when we come back, we are going to discuss the tabletop game Gloomhaven, and specifically its uh, expansion, Jaws of the Lion. Peggy 12. Welcome to the harsh lands of Gloomhaven, recruit. You think you have what it takes to become a mercenary out there on the edge of the world? We are paid to venture into the darkest forests of the region and to step into ancient crypts with the unmistakable stench of death and rotting flesh. Mmm, lovely places to earn a name for yourself. Be ready to face cutthroats. Undead, fearsome tribes, and dreadful demons from other realms. You didn't find yourself as a mercenary without knowing how to crack a few skulls, did you? Before going on a mission, prepare your Hired Blade's abilities and equipment, plan your strategy and team synergies, 
Advance ill-prepared and don't expect to come back in one piece. Entering the halls of the dungeon, every choice you make has life or death consequences. Observe your opponents, think of your tactical options as a squad, and spot some weaknesses to exploit. However, no battle plan survives contact with the enemy. You will be outnumbered, but not outplayed. Adapt your tactics, take advantage of your environment, and if you play your cards right, you'll live to see another day. Like the idea of Igni is really cute. Yeah. Welcome back, everyone, to Please Don't Listen to This. Your life depends on it. The show where we do something different every single week. This week we played Gloomhaven. Uh, Gloomhaven uh, comes to us from a friend and listener of the show, Destiny. Uh, and she, along with her boyfriend, Andrew, and a friend of theirs, Rowan, um, have been d- really digging into board games over the past couple of years. Um, more so than anyone I know or ever have known. And that is uh, something, it's a world that I am not connected to really at all, except through them. Mm-hmm. And I don't look for new board games or card games or anything like that. I'm not in tune with what makes one of them good. And at the same time, I can uh, enjoy like sitting down with uh, friends and like getting into all of this stuff. I'm, I'm always happy to learn the rules of a new game. Like, uh, maybe that's the wrong thing to say. I'm happy to play a new game with my friends. Yeah, yeah. I'm a lot like like I want to. I'm I'm ready to discover whatever that is with uh, people. And I think that, like, to to name a few, uh, like I really do think that um, Nemesis had, was a big hit with me. I loved that game. I yeah. thought it was super cool. God, that game is fucking hard. Uh, it is hard. It is very hard. I've never finished a game of Nemesis as in, like, yeah. one. It's, it's very it's possible to, to have all the players die. If you're not, like, a, a big board game player, it's weird to say this board game is hard. Like, yeah, it's difficult. Because exactly. normally a board game is something you play against other people, like Sorry or yeah. Candyland or something like that. Candyland is fucking hard, though. <laughs> A lot of uh, those are actually kid, designed really poorly. Yeah. When I was a kid, we had a, a game called Uncle Wiggly. Whoa. Um, it was like Uncle Wiggly something, but you had to get Uncle Wiggly, who was this rabbit guy. Like, it, it was like in the style of Aesop, Aesop's mm-hmm. Fables, like, you know, the classic art style. Aesop there. Rocky, yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, so, it, like, you had to get him from one side of the board to the other, and there were all these fucking... Uh, obstacles there but you were still racing against other people Hmm. but yeah it's weird to say that it's difficult Mm. yeah Um, this is this is interesting like there is a world of there there are plenty of board games that the traditional board games that you play against other people but there is a whole world of board games that you play cooperatively to achieve some sort of goal mm -hmm. in some sort of scenario Right. And that's the kind of territory that we waded into here do you, this week. Do either of you remember the name of the one we played where you are investigating a haunted house? Uh, Mysterium, that, I yes, yes, that one was also quite interesting. Well, that, no, that one was the one where oh, one of you is a ghost. Yeah. Oh. Um, no, that was more of the more of the clue one. 
Yeah, uh, that one's more like Clue. Um, I know which one you're talking oh, about, and Destiny literally said the name of it the other day, and I can't remember All right, well, don't, don't think about it anymore. I haunted can't House, House on Haunted Hill, something so, like that. I think it's, it's another one word. Gloomhaven, <laughs> though, is a game that was kickstarted in 2015 uh, wow. and ended up getting $386,104, which is like a... Uh, this was back, uh, like, in... Basically, from what 2011 to I want to say like 2017 was like the the golden age if you wanted to kickstart something. Yeah, yeah. Although for board games, I feel like that never truly went away. The sun never sets on the Kickstarter empire for mm. board games because the nice thing about kickstarting a board game is that you know exactly what you are going to get. It's mm. like what if, if I kickstart this? I have to pay the manufacturers to make the plastic figurines. I have to print the cards myself. I have to write up the rules and everything. But here's what you would do in this board game. And the people who donate for it are the people who want it in their house. Yeah. So every time, right? Like you don't need to recoup more development costs than that. Right. Yeah. Making a movie or a video game is uh, has a lot more maybe uh, unforeseen expenses. Right. 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 <laughs> and also with a board game, like it can cost relative to the amount of things that you are including whereas there are standardized prices for movies or video games or whatever yeah whereas for a board game it's like if this is a really big if this is a deck of cards it might be cheap but if it's a deck of cards and four plastic figurines and a board and, and a, a special book. spinner and a board <laughs> and a book and a box that has a lock on it and like <laughs> and you know like all that stuff like that that might increase the price a little bit and the people who are going to be paying for the board game are okay with that because they understand how much the little pieces of plastic cost, and they're ready. They're ready to go in on it because they can't wait to make their friends play it. Yes, um, I think oh. Seb has found the name of the game that we're talking about. Yeah, I thought of it. I didn't look yeah. it up. Okay. Um, but it's called Betrayal because in the middle of the game, somebody go. turns on the rest of the players. Right. Very fun. Yeah. Cool game. Um, That's right. But this is a little different from those two, Betrayal and uh, Nemesis, in that there is no element of working against your party, which I was honestly a little disappointed by at first mm. because. That extra little element of competition uh, gives some board games like uh, the, the kind of like burst of excitement for me. Mm-hmm. Like where it's like, oh, okay, like there's something to think about in terms of strategy here. Yeah, everyone having a a different goal yes. is interesting. Even if you're working together right now, you could be working at odds at the mm-hmm. end of the game. Um, but something that's interesting about this game, Gloomha- Gloomhaven, is that you cannot look it up without seeing people calling it the best board game ever made. Uh, mm. People really freak out about this, and I think the reasons for it are unfortunately something that we all the people, things that people like about it are unfortunately things that we did not necessarily get to experience. Mm. One of the big problems of our show is that we only get to try uh, a little a bit, of very each small thing. amount yeah. of a thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, as uh, we could as have wide... spent months playing Gloomhaven, yeah. but then we wouldn't have gotten as, this yeah, episode as, out this yeah. week. As wide as an ocean, <laughs> and maybe as as deep as a, a few puddles. But um, we uh, we played through three scenarios yes. in uh, in the Gloomhaven Jaws of the Lion expansion. Jaws of the Lion, originally a Target exclusive, funny thing to say. Whoa. Uh, they get was weird exclusives. Prequel expansion to the original Gloomhaven with four new classes and um, uh, 25 scenarios or something like that where you were the first five of them are designed specifically to be the uh, like intro to players yeah. like because pe- people really love the on-ramp. but 
uh, for people who aren't huge board game freaks or even Dungeons and Dragons heads or whatever, they really wanted to get them in, have an easy way to say, bring your friends who aren't super into board games, people like us, yeah, uh, who might have more familiarity with video games or card games or whatever, to join in on this and be onboarded to have fun still. Suggester of the show, Destiny, referred to this as baby Gloomhaven. <laughs> and that is both... Uh, attributed to its relative simplicity, but also in its much smaller size. Yeah, she kept referring <laughs> to real Gloomhaven as the big boy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the big boy Gloomhaven has 17 classes, whereas we were only picking from four. So yes. that is a pretty big That's difference. That's insane number of fucking classes. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. way too many. And some of them are like uh, like prestige classes or reclasses or something where you upgrade one into another. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so you get to like level 10 or something. And that is a really cool idea, especially for something that you're playing every week and yeah. you're going on for yeah. months and months. Yeah, it really is. Uh, you can see the tabletop influence for sure. It's very... Well, I mean, I guess that board games are... Yeah, are... are but it's, it's not the same as a like... Yeah. Dice and paper. Yes. Like kind of game. That's a, might be a better way to refer to that. Yeah. But it definitely is... It felt... Like a game you'd, instead of playing D&D every week, you'd get together to play this game every week. And yeah. it's just like, okay, the, in, instead of having a dungeon master come up with a scenario or find one, you're reading you know, the scenario off the book and you're doing your role, your mm-hmm. uh, card plays and your mechanics and all yeah. that. So unlike D&D, this, this one comes with all of your maps and everything, and then you just plop down your stuff on there. And in D&D, you can make them and you can print them out. But that requires more effort, whereas a lot of DMs will just kind of, you know, do it behind the screen or something like that. Like, you don't need to put in all that effort. Um, And this one just has it all together in a book that you just flip through. And you don't do a lot of RP. It's just all combat, all encounters. Mm -hmm. At least as much as we played, it was all encounters. And then there was, like, the city scenario that lasted five seconds, and I didn't even really catch Yeah, those are supposed to be little interludes that happen in between every uh, chapter, and they, what normally happens is that you pick one of two options and both of them give you a debuff, but you're pick, but, <laughs> but you don't know that you're picking which one you're picking or what it's going to do to you or something yeah. like you encounter a bear and it's like, okay, well, if you choose to fight the bear, then you might end up with a wound going into the next combat encounter. If you choose to run from the bear, you might have to discard a card so that because you're tired from running from the bear. Yeah. So it's like, okay, well, either of those ended up not necessarily flirt with good. the bear, you get gay married. Mm-hmm. And now you, your gay bear husband asks you when you're coming home, and oh, now you take. Now you have I'm to sorry, like, I'm still yeah, adventuring. Yeah, I'm still adventuring, and now you have marital strife, which is yeah. something that you take I, into the next. I account. didn't really want yeah. to be tied down, and then there's uh-huh. a there's a debuff associated yeah. to that. There's a little twink in my party. And, <laughs> Every know. party has needs a good twink. Oh yeah, and it's most of the time it's the rogue. <laughs> so. Uh, we all played this together, so our impressions are going to be a little bit... They're definitely going yeah. to bleed into each other. They're going to be was, together. Um, but, um, us and uh, friend of the show, Andrew, or enemy of the show, Andrew. Yeah, well, he's, he's definitely, he definitely <laughs> yeah. helped us out this time, that's for sure. So I'm yeah. going to say he's a friend of the show this week. And, then, and um, he can go back to being our enemy next week yep. if he wants. Yep. Uh, Destiny was DMing, which you don't really need a DM, but mm-hmm. she did that just to make things a bit smoother for yes. us. And also that there's only four classes available in this but also somebody who knows the rules is a big nice thing to have when everyone else is new to it yeah who can explain when you say hey i just did this with my card what does that mean for the enemy and they can just say it and they don't have to look it up yeah that really smooths things over (laughs) yeah and somebody to push the enemies around and do their stuff and everything keep track of things so 
Alex, what did you think of Gloomhaven? Um, this was interesting. I uh, me- I mentioned it uh, off mic to these guys, but I also quickly brought it up at the top of the show. Um, a friend of mine has started a D and D game recently, and we've been we've committed to doing that every week. We just did our first thing. We made our characters. So I, uh, having that on the mind really brought a lot of that. Uh, brought a lot of comparisons to this. I think to me. Um, I like that Gloomwood is more... Gloomhaven. Oh, wow. Gloomwood is the early access game that you and I are very excited to play. Um, God, I'm going to do that a hundred times. But I like that Gloomhaven is uh, very mechanic-y. I don't mind role-playing stuff. I think it can be fun. Uh, But I am generally more interested in... Uh, getting big hits on enemies and moving around yeah. and uh, all that kinds of stuff. I feel like if you get a mismatch of people who either don't like RP or RP, like CRP in a different light, like there's, you can get people who want to be really serious about RP and then other people who want to be very goofy with it. Yeah. And if you get a mismatch, that's. Um, that's a recipe for kind of strife. Yeah, in, in and I think uh, we talked about this in our own Dungeons and Dragons episode mm-hmm. when we did it because we had somebody who was taking the the crunch, the combat very seriously, too seriously from George. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and then when, we had Mister Fucking Clean over here. Oh, yeah, that's right. That was. Funny. But that was quite fun. And then uh, I think Cam was Gonzo. Yeah, or at least that was his icon. Can't the last like hundred times I've played D anD D with Cam, uh, he always tries to make an effort to. Find whatever the most of something he can buy from adventuring gear. Like if, it, <laughs> if he can get ten thousand feet of rope for a hundred gold or whatever, he'll it's do a, it. It's a good deal. It's a great deal. Yeah. It's funny to carry around that much rope. He tries to use it to solve every problem. But yeah. that's and that's how some people want to play D anD D. This game kind of narrows down your options so that you can't say, "What if I throw my rope around the treasure chest?" to the DM over and over again. <laughs> They've just got their head in their hands, like, oh my God, just move on already. Yeah. yeah. It's, I, it's less scribble knots unlimited, and it's more like a, like, ABC option. It's more moving your thing. units around on a screen. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. more like it's, Fire Emblem Engage. It's very, it's funny that there is a, um, there's a version of this that you can just play on Steam, because it is like, this is the closest to a video game that I've played on a board game, <laughs> if that makes any sense. It feels, mm-hmm. sense. it's very crunchy. It feels very mechanical. It feels like you could offload all of the stuff that um, Destiny was doing as our DM just to a computer that would say, okay, this is how the enemies move. There is a video game version of this. Yeah, that's so, what I was and, saying. And yeah, it's yeah. So, and I'm, I'm repeating it and I'm, cause I'm thinking to myself, like there are no parts of this except for the things that make it like fun and extra enjoyable. Like there's no nothing mechanically that has to be physical in front of you. Yeah. Even um, like the fact that everything is drawing a card is very fun, and having yep. a computer automate that for you might even eliminate some things that you can do to yourself on accident. Like yeah. being a bad at shuffling cards could yeah. lead you <laughs> to drawing the same miss your attack rule for. Yeah, times I in think a row. if I wasn't shuffling my own deck, I would have been more annoyed if I when we did like a short rest where you have to discard the first card that you pull. I would have been more annoyed if the computer did that for me and I pulled the card that I didn't like. Now <laughs> I know that it's on me because yeah. I there is a, there's, a certain, <laughs> there's a certain mental calculus that goes into it that makes you feel good. Or like the when you pick your class in this game, you pick them out of an envelope that has all the stuff in it. And that's a yeah. very fun... Like you're opening a present that has all your identity yeah. pieces. All the, all the feelies and the tactical stuff is very... Or, 
Tactile. There we mm. go. Well, there is tactical and tactile. There, the, both game. of them are important to this game. Um, that stuff is is fun. It is great. It, it seems like a disaster to set up and put away, which we did see and talk about a little bit yeah. while we were mm-hmm. doing and this. And Destiny even had like d- d- um, organizers that she'd bought specifically for this, and it yeah. was still a little bit of a mess. <laughs> but it is cool and important to have. I like it's a it's great for the feel of the game to have all that stuff. Um, I picked the demolitionist class, as mm-hmm, Nick introduced mm-hmm. me as. Um, I was kind of drawn to that because their like marquee signature thing is that they uh, throw bombs and can destroy obstacles. And I wish we had played a little bit more because it didn't come into play like yeah, at it all. Didn't, it didn't come up. <laughs> but it, it's a very situational power. But it seems like a big deal in a game like this, where, where moving... so often obstacles. Or like different terrain is like a really big yeah. Difference. In like a, I was my thought process for picking that like my idea was that like oh in a tactics game your environment like what map you load into is super important and being able to destroy cover or destroy something that's in the way to make to let everybody go through instead of having to go around all that stuff is super interesting to me and I uh, definitely feel like that will come up in the future scenarios but did not in some of the intro stuff that we got to do. Um, I I still liked my guy though. It was a good balance of ranged and close-up stuff. Um, I felt like my movement options weren't as good as some of your guys' characters. Mm. Um, I had one that was, I had one card with a move four, I had maybe two with a move three, but otherwise I was using the base move for a lot of my yeah. stuff. Oh yeah, Alex kept getting so mad that um, <laughs> we all had initiative that was ho- lower than his. So oh, yeah. so in, in this game, instead of having to roll like higher to get the higher initiative, you it's like golf rules, um, yeah. where if, if you get a lower number on your card, you get um, you know to go first or second or whatever. Mm-hmm. And Alex, like, had my, pretty shit cards for that. My lowest card was 19, yeah. which I think everyone had a card lower than that they could play. I think I had 18 was my lowest, and then one of us had a 14. And I think that But was also, yeah, injury. all the rest of my cards were, like, uh, in the 50s, 60s, and 80s. So I was definitely, a, I was uh, slower to move. But I as we got further along... I kind of saw the appeal of not always going first. Um, it is, it, my impulse to go first was mostly that I wanted to get to do my thing, uh, but also like the your the initiative order also plays into which enemies decide to attack who and kind of the calculus behind the scenes on that. So I, uh, in one of the scenarios, I was down to one health. So I was constantly like, I will go last. Please let me go last. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, this was interesting. This was fun. I think I may, if I ever played this again, I would be interested in playing a different character. I did mm. not like my character. I want to see. All, I want to see the wild and wacky classes they got in the main game. Like mm-hmm. I, I felt like I was. Um, I, I mean, I was. I uh, played a very tanky style character yeah and they did have some cool stuff and some cool stuff that i didn't even get to use or dig into uh but i feel like with 17 classes i got to get out into some real weird specialists yeah I, one of the ones that i saw there is a beastmaster class kind of thing that comes with a dog oh. where they get two figures yeah and they, you know you're controlling yourself and wherever the dog is at whatever having two time. units is mm-hmm. great um yeah i thought it just talking about the class comp in general i liked I liked how everyone kind of worked. Everyone had kind of a different role 
and none of them felt like straight up the middle archetypes. Like a lot of them kind of had a little bit of a slant on it. Like um, Seb's class was ranged, but was also kind of the rogue. So that was like, you could get up close a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. And then like Andrew's class, the Void Warden was all about like support, but also about uh, making other people attack the enemy, which mm -hmm. is like a really interesting yeah. dynamic. In the best, it's in your best interest for your uh, teammates to be close to the enemy so that you can utilize their deck yeah. to attack. You can point to them and then they draw for for their attack that you ordered. It was it's or that you used your magic to make them do. Uh, very interesting. Um, I would love to explore, like Nick said, a lot of the mm -hmm. other options in this because I, I definitely could find something that is so me in like that huge pile of mm -hmm. classes. I feel like while this was a good introduction, I almost feel like we could have handled more. You know, yeah. like oh, I, yeah. I think, I think that, with our limited time, this was a good choice. Yes, but... definitely. We were able to complete three scenarios, which I don't know that we would have been able to do if this was more complicated. Yeah, I think Destiny had initially asked for five, and yeah. I. I initially misinterpreted what she said because she went when she said session i meant like like <laughs> we, I, I thought she meant sit we downs. had a whole conversation about the semantics yeah. of calling these like yeah. sessions i, I think, would call them encounters i think personally. encounters is is good yeah yeah but anyway that's just all semantics i mean i for our listeners i don't know uh if anyone who has experience with this game will listen to this um but it uh is like an encounter when we say we've done that is like uh, the map is only about the size of uh, like one sheet of paper with little yeah, he maybe like hexagons one and a half. yeah yeah so we were it, and it was only ever like i think our biggest map had like eight enemies maybe mm -hmm. it wasn't it wasn't ever too much yeah and they, and they like break them down at least and there were in there our, were three rooms i think yeah, on that one in our situation they were like um like three rooms and the enemies wouldn't attack you until you went into each room. Yeah, it's a combat encounter. It actually really reminded me of uh, XCOM. Uh, oh, yeah, that's a good comparison. One one map, one kind of mission in XCOM is very similar uh, in like length, in size, and in complexity. That game is also, also is very good with like, um, if you haven't progressed far enough and triggered the enemies, they, base, they don't exist to you, which is a really fun... Like, we didn't really use it very tactically because this game has kind of a... Uh, you're kind of on the clock with your cards regardless of whether or not you're attacking. But uh, I was kind of caught up in the idea that it would be fun to be able to stall and not open the door if you really needed to do something. Yeah. Because those enemies aren't even factored into the turn order yet. Right. Unfortunately, we didn't have, like, anything super cool we could do yeah. in that time. Like, we weren't playing as characters that could, like buff ourselves or do like set up some kind of crazy trap like let's say you were playing D&D &D, right and yeah. you know the limit is your imagination you could like put do put do the old bucket over the door trick or something <laughs> and trick the trick like the the cultists into opening the door and a bucket of water falls in their head and somehow that is the strategic thing you need to to win yeah. or whatever or like you have you have just enough you roll for the amount of banana peels you can you have and like you do that like yeah, that stuff doesn't really factor in here because you're working with defined systems all of the actions that you can do are on the cards that are in your deck and because of yeah. that you basically know what your tools are at any given time yep and i liked the um the like card system for attacking was pretty interesting i like that you had a degree of flexibility there was uh, basically you have your whole deck of cards 
and each one is a top and a bottom attack and you pick two for each turn but you have to use a top and you have to use a bottom so even if you pick two and by the time you get to your turn the situation has completely changed mm-hmm. you, you still s- got to work with that yeah you, has, you still have to work with the two you picked but you also might have a little bit of flexibility because you could pick like say you wanted to use top of card one and bottom of card two you know what this you reminded that me around. of alex that you have experience with is dicey dungeons yeah that's uh, true. the idea that you have a bunch of options that you're pick choosing between like in Dicey Dungeons, you roll your die, and then you want them for different situations. You, you put them into—they're basically cards. You put yeah. them into cards, but yeah, you are still at the mercy of what the dice roll says, and you can have uses for high rolls, and you can have uses for low rolls, but it, it all is determined by what you get on that turn. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that, so, that yeah. is pretty similar. Yeah, But I, I like the idea of picking— your options but like picking a pool of options and then once the time comes for your turn you can you still have an element of choice there you're not necessarily locked into what you were doing before because let's say the enemy you were planning on targeting is dead now because your yeah. one of your teammates got to it or let's say that now you're on critical health because something really bad happened the enemies took their turn earlier than you expected and did more damage than you wanted or whatever and now oh and that's the other thing because you have the generic move and generic attack option you always have those two things you're never in a situation where you couldn't yeah. move or you couldn't attack because yeah, like you might that. need to do one of those things always. <laughs> those are the, basically the only two things you can do in general in this game yeah. is move is move and attack. Um, I mean, there's more complicated stuff like healing and possessing your friends or whatever. But like, <laughs> but like the it all kind of boils down to the movement and the attacking. Yeah, the kind of cadence of combat was interesting and I like that. We kind of got into it on the third, or the last map, big map that we did mm-hmm. um, where you'd have to uh, do a rest to reset your your cards to pull back from your discard. And you can do it anytime. Yeah, you can do it anytime you want, but you have to get rid of one for the whole round, pretty mm. much. And uh, that is all pseudo-random. There's some more stuff you can do that I won't or, really get yeah, into. Yeah, you but... can lose a health if you don't want to yeah. get rid of that one. Um, but I like that that kind of enforces a little bit of speed to your play like you ha- you want to be efficient because you're always using two cards every turn unless there's some mechanic that we didn't run into but... i wonder i i didn't see anything like that but again there's lots of the, about this game that i didn't i don't know i did a little bit of research after we played to try and know what i was talking about a little bit that's where the stuff about the the kickstarter and the main game and everything like that comes yeah. in this is all stuff that destiny also already told us but that i didn't understand until after playing the game <laughs> yeah. But yeah, because you're always using two cards every turn and you only have so many cards and it is it costs one of your cards to reset your hand, you kind of always want to be making progress. Like I definitely could see a world where if that trade-off didn't exist, you could be really stally. Like you could like wait to like heal everyone up before doing something, or like you could play really slow. So I like that they kind of push you along and then all you need to do for most maps or the at least most maps we got was just kill every enemy on the board it's like perfect that's dead simple mm. let's do this you know i'm making my turns as optimally as possible to try and get rid of these enemies right yeah but anyway i, I, like I had it, i had fun i definitely you guys can get into your stuff i feel like this would be this game would be well suited and i'm sure there are missions like it but well suited to something where you had to like like almost like a capture the flag flag kind of thing like ferry this uh item to this yeah point or something i like definitely that. i would not be surprised if there was like a um protect this guy mission or something like mm-hmm. that in this it feels 
This game felt very video gamey in a way that I liked. It hit on all. You could do mission design, and if you wanted to homebrew your own missions, so much of the the important stuff is already there. I feel like you. Oh yeah, you could take this framework and you could draw your own map on graph paper and Uh go to town. (laughs) Makes me think a little bit of Into the Breach in that way. Just another like. small amount of pieces a relatively small amount of turns uh, and actions and if you make the grid a little different you make the terrain a little different uh placing down the enemies and the players can already just really shake things up yeah seb what did you think of gloomhaven oh geez i've already chimed in enough um (laughs) so i i enjoyed it because it is really streamlined and and boiled down um from what D D is and if you don't feel like you have time to do a whole D&D session and make your whole And it does take a lot of time and, to do a whole D&D session. Yeah, it <laughs> takes a whole lot of time and it takes a whole lot of attention mm-hmm. to do a D&D session. Like, I like D&D. I like to play D&D with people. But if you've got a lot of people or you're just not engaged, then you don't know what's going on. And it's really hard to pay attention. And that's kind of why most of my D&D groups have fallen apart. Mm-hmm. Is because everybody has fucking ADHD and we're over the internet. Um, <laughs> so um, yeah, that's that's something that this this has an advantage over is that it's really it's fast paced um, and there's something for you to look at at all times. Like even if you're doing roll twenty on um, for D and D, like if you're if you're online, yep. um, it's a little bit hard to pay attention because you're not seeing stuff move around quite as much. When you're looking um, at your friends and, and that you hear the noise of the dice hitting the table, it's easier to take a look at it, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really, I always liked uh, rolling dice physically rather than, um, like, if you're doing over the internet and you're doing roll 20, there's, like, a roll dice, like, tool. Yeah, you use and, the button. Yeah, I always like doing it physically instead, um, but then sometimes I would feel guilty. I'm like, oh, people can't actually see the roll I got. So. Oh, yeah, you could cheat big time. Yeah, you can well, yeah, super I got a, cheat. I got a 20. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think there's an element You can't of... see 20. You, you can't say 20. You got to be like, okay, I got an 18. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, to me, I'm like, it, what is what is the point of this game <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm doing that? I'm always yeah. hitting everything and I'm doing perfect, actually. Where's where's yeah. the drama? Where's the conflict? Well, I'll lie and say I got a one. Where are, where are the ones? <laughs> where are the twos? Yeah. No, it's, it's way more fun if you can fail, to be honest, in, in D&D. Um, and if you don't think that, then you're playing it wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this one didn't have, like, we had some pretty close calls, yep. I think. Um, Alex especially I, almost I was died. on one HP for a lot of the game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can still have some pretty close calls even early on. Um, especially, I don't think we had working together down yeah. really at all. Well, we, I think it was, it was tricky because we were all figuring mm-hmm. out how we played. Yeah, I think we were like, learning our classes it, and how the game worked. I think it would we would come together if we stuck this out. Like if we if what we did the, like even two or three more things, we would probably have more of an idea of what everyone else did and then be able to put some of that together. Yeah. I kept trying to get in between two enemies to use my two enemies ability, mm-hmm. but enemies have their own movement things and they can move away from you and it takes a long time for a whole cycle of turns to reset like yeah if you know five different people have to make their moves and then like one enemy isn't there or one enemy moved and it's like just setting it up so that's like i'm going to hit two enemies at once was like a huge pain for me mm-hmm. yeah very chaotic but i have to imagine on enemies that are more on maps that are more populated with enemies that would be a little easier yeah i, th- I think i would like to play more of this just because I'd like to see how it gets when it gets more complex mm, and you yeah. have to work together with people. Like I think 
like Andrew Nick, certainly did some work keeping us alive. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Andrew healed us um, once in a while, but I don't think that was like super necessary all the time. Like I had a, a move that could actually heal me. Wow, um, must be so, nice. Yeah, I used that a couple times. Um, but yeah, I, I really liked how streamlined it was. I liked there was some lore, but like not a whole lot. So if you have a short attention span um, and can't sit for a full session with a DM who really likes to go into the lore um which i'm fine with like that i think that's really cool um but like over the internet which is how i've played most of my games that you you stop getting engaged because you're like oh i have google chrome on here what? <laughs> it's like i can go on the internet while this guy's talking um like you don't have to like sit there and listen to a bunch of lore for a long time you don't have to sit yeah. there and rp you don't it, have to like it's like a paragraph of context for each of those missions it yeah. feels like yeah, and Destiny did a good job kind of like just be like, oh, here we, we here's your lore, yeah. we, we go through this, like here's all the guys, you know. Like she didn't spend too too long being theatric about it. Yeah. Like I, I don't think she was even theatric at all. Yeah, I don't no. know. I'm, I'm sure in the game proper or as far as this game unfolds, I'm sure there is an interesting story to be had, but mm-hmm. this felt like such a mechanics experience. It didn't yeah. think like... Very much DMV module page one. I love, I love video games with deep rich stories but i also really like uh mechanics and tactical choices and yeah. yeah being able to do big hits against weak mm-hmm. enemies and all yeah, that I think, stuff i i was very proud of myself because the first enemy game like i think i went first because i had the highest <laughs> initiative right. in our very first encounter and i immediately just fucking one shot a guy because yeah. i got a times two like that feels really good in this game when yeah. you get like a, a mm-hmm times two multiplier you just fucking one shot a broomling um which we kept talking about like racism against rat people oh yeah <laughs> i was really thinking about that when we were playing this like uh this game a lot of fantasy games really do a thing where they have like the race that it's okay to kill yeah. and i yeah. was i was doing a like what i thought was a funny lighthearted bit about how this game was really racist and then every time we read a new thing about this, about the vermlings. The this, vile yeah, vermlings. Yeah, and I'm like, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> Subhuman. These, these guys are just racist for real. I, I was doing it as a joke, and that's okay, but I feel like, you know, we're, we're getting yeah. into some territory I don't like here. D&D does that with kobolds, who are like, um, technically they're like descendants of dragons, but they're mm-hmm. like little weird lizards. Yeah. It's like, if you choose to play as a kobold, be prepared to take a 100-point hit to your intelligence and all, all <laughs> yeah. this shit. Um, I did um, a, like a one-shot one time with some friends that was like, we were all kobolds, and it was really good. It was it was a great little one-shot where we kind of like destroyed a whole fucking city because mm-hmm. they were trying to oppress us. <laughs> it was really good. Um, anyway, yeah, like D&D does that. Um, there's like all sorts of like, World of Warcraft has, like, dozens of races. <laughs> they do that fucking, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. Um, but otherwise, like, this this was a pretty fun little experience. And I would like to play more of it, actually, um, if I ever get a chance to. Um, yeah. I, I think I like how it progresses so fast. Like, you can see the progress. Yeah. Like, because you flip through the book. You turn another page and there's only this many pages in the book where yeah. in, destiny uh, had printed out the flow chart for how the like campaign works and because mm-hmm. this this one is only like 15 missions it was pretty simple uh, and then of course she showed us the one for the full game and it was like a huge like fucking visual novel decision tree uh jesus <laughs> yeah but it's, it's, it's cool very... to see that there is an ending to this whereas in some uh D campaigns 
They're like just meant to go they, on forever. They go forever. Or you can do a scenario that's very long, like Curse of Strahd. And there is an ending to that, but you don't necessarily have a set number of sessions to get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely feel that. And, like, the idea... I look forward to the idea of seeing, like, for example, bosses in this, right? Like, yeah. Or unique enemies that can do things that we weren't really seeing. We at least got to see a little bit of the progression. Yeah. Going from vermlings to cultists with yeah, vipers. You, you got cursed a little bit. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. And, and I, I, yeah, I got, got poisoned. Yeah, yeah, we got poisoned, yeah. yeah. So we're already seeing enemies that can do different things as opposed to just do damage and move around, which yeah. already makes them a little crazier than what we've got going on. <laughs> and I think that that's part of the fun really especially knowing that every new enemy type has its own little cardboard standee in the in the box that you pull out yeah and they, they have their own special drawing and they there are regular ones and elites and those have different amounts of health and all that stuff yeah and this this game scales up too um and it scales down so i think you might even be able to play it by yourself yep um, yeah I, which i think is really cool i i would enjoy it like i get made fun of for playing solitaire um <laughs> but i i would really enjoy having just a tabletop game i can do by myself um, and just progress through it because then I have something I can do that's fun that's not on the internet. I can, you know, I, I'm getting very tired of looking at screens Whoa. lately because I screen bad. Yeah, screen bad. Can't like tired of looking at bad screen. Can't wait to go home and look at good screen. <laughs> but um, yeah, no screen 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 make eye tired. Whoa. Um, what? <laughs> I'm just but, hearing uh, about this. Yeah, no, I, I would definitely uh, play some more of this. I would even buy it for myself just to play mm. it. Home, yeah, to be honest. That's high praise. Yeah, I, I this is definitely like I I had a lot of fun playing this, but um, knowing how expensive it probably is. Oh, it's probably <laughs> like I, I would if I had money. Yeah, yeah, but. that's the only thing. Like that was one of the things that came through in my mind when I saw how like how premium of a package this is. This game is all those like little plastic bucks. pieces are expensive. Yeah. yeah, but you so you really got to get your fucking money's worth out of this sort of thing. Yeah, it is. But I feel it like, is incredibly cool, and like we've been talking about it is great to have the physicality of it yeah um but it is like ooh, fah. it's not like buying a copy of monopoly at the mm, target no yeah. but you get a lot oh, more enjoyment out like of it than a copy bucks. of monopoly oh yeah that's pretty yeah, good that's then not good. yeah, yeah. I mean, the jaws the lion is is cheap in <laughs> yeah. comparison for sure oh it came out on switch yeah yeah mm-hmm. it's a full video game you can huh. buy it i didn't know it was on switch anyway nick uh your turn yeah 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 so I played as the Red Guard, and I, I uh, jokingly offered to have myself blown up for every part of the mission, um, which didn't end up being necessary, really. I did take a decent chunk of damage, but when I was playing this game, um, I didn't really... What I didn't like about it at first was that it felt like my options were so limited, but it was just so that I could get a grasp on the mechanics. And we did have to ask so many questions of, like, yeah. now can I move, or when, when does this attack work and the the idea of advantage and disadvantage not being able to shoot someone with a bow if you're up close that sort of thing yeah um but i did have fun with this and i think that i would have more fun the more complex it got i'd also know that that would make sessions take longer though yeah right like we were because we were able to do the three so quickly the only reason we were able to do that is because it was a low amount of enemies and we were you know like we were waiting for our taco bell yeah. Well, well, no, no, no. We were breezing through, though, is what I'm trying yeah. to say. We were waiting for Taco Bell. Also, but, uh, one thing that I don't think we... I don't I don't know if we, we really talked about this too much while we were playing, but I one thing that definitely can make this take longer is if you uh, 
perhaps didn't win a scenario. Right. <laughs> you could spend 20 minutes trying to clear a map and then have everyone die. <laughs> and it's like, oh, we have to start over. That seems something like something that would make you extra invested. If we lost, I would want to, you know, grind it out all night because you can't end on a loss. So yeah. uh, what are we, suckers? Mm-hmm. No, I um, I think that there was a lot to get out of this. I feel uh, so... I enjoyed so many of the other board games we played more, right? The ones that the other complex board games with tons of cards and extra shit in there. And I think that part of that was the element of mystery or the element of competition. The idea that there was something hidden from you that you could figure out. Yeah, uh, I'm with you on that. Or having to determine other players' strategic motives or what they were lying about. Now, this game has something of its own that does make it special, but we didn't really get to dig into that. Uh, Gloomhaven has little like tiny locked boxes and latches and extra special things that are all at the bottom of the box that we didn't get to dig into because that only happens when your character reaches level 10 or whatever. So because we didn't get those special abilities, we didn't get those like cool little extra pieces because they're meant to be a reward for your character surviving that long. Yeah, you've played 20 hours of this game at that Uh point or whatever. Yeah, I think Uh the the first pack was like, don't open until you're level five or something like yeah. that. Yeah, it's very cool to have a little treat yeah. like that. But Which yeah. the, so, the amount of experience cool. we were getting at, like, for most of these was so small. Yeah. yeah. Like, we were getting, like, four experience per yeah. encounter. And it's because we were meant to play 25 encounters is the, is how, the length of the campaign or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. and then the, the, the big boy, the big box Gloomhaven is, like, 80 or something like that. Yeah. So the idea of, like, oh, uh, the three of us play and Andrew play three scenarios or three encounters and we're like, well, hey, what the fuck? How come we don't, how come we can't shoot chaos world ending fireball yet? Mm -hmm. Uh, And we're only feeling that way because we are new to the game, right? But at the same time, if you could shoot chaos world ending fireball right from the gate, that's something to really bring people in. I feel like so often... I see this a lot in other video games, and most particularly fighting games, something that I like to bring up, is that when games try to make a simplified version of the game, they skip out on what makes them cool. Like, uh, when somebody new wants to learn, uh, I don't know, let's let's say Monster Hunter, for example, or, or uh, I would say Street Fighter, but Street Fighter we just talked about so much. Um, mm-hmm. When somebody wants to learn, wants to learn Monster Hunter, Learning, you know, what different materials make different weapons and what different parts of the monster you have to attack is part of the fun of Monster Hunter. If they made it so that every weapon does the same type of damage to the monster no matter what part you're hitting it at, sure, that would make it so you didn't have to know those extra things, but then where what's the fun in doing it with a team if you're all just doing the same thing anyway, if it's a more streamlined experience? Yeah. Like... Something being complicated can scare new players off, but something Definitely. being complicated can also make somebody want to put the effort into yeah, learning. Yeah, that's the reason that you're there. Maybe. Yes, I, I definitely am. I'm pro complexity in most things, mm-hmm. but I like that this game being like a, the being intentionally designed after, like a, as a prequel to get people into it mm-hmm. is super interesting because. Yeah. Like, this seems like it, it was completely designed as an on-ramp, which is mm-hmm. good because it helped us pick it up and figure it out. Right. But I did kept keep thinking, man, I 
can't wait to see what's in the yeah, real game. I want to <laughs> open up the little pack that says don't open until Christmas. I yeah. want to see the, I, I think, the fucked up decks that we don't get to see. Like, like yeah. you know, we had we had Tank, uh, Evil Healer, uh, Demo Man, and... Oh, that's why oh, I like and Ranger. <laughs> so like that's so those were the four classes we had. Yeah. And they were interesting, sure, but they were also a little standard. Yeah. Right? Like like there are interesting things about all of them, particularly the Void Warden, which I didn't know quite what that was going to be like. When it was described to me as a healer, I'm like, okay, I get it. But then it's like you can also possess your friends and make them do attacks for you. Yeah. That's got some juice to it, you know? Yeah. That that really adds on to it. And I have to imagine that if you're designing twenty, uh, if you're designing seventeen classes, then you're gonna hit stuff like the Void Warden more often because you can't just do yeah. Doctor, Ranger, the Wizard, and Paladin or whatever. You you run out of those real quick. So yeah. then you get to the guy who can only fight with his bare hands, and he has to be directly on top of the enemy or whatever. Yeah. You get to the guy whose only ability too. is kicking rats, and so he has to carry a bag of one hundred rats yeah. to kick it to the opponent. <laughs> if he runs out of rats, he has to go get more. Yeah. Oh, so man. having uh, to having to spend five turns to go to the store is really <laughs> to go to the rat store. Hey, yes, I'll have your rats, please. You again, fresh out. No, um, so uh, and I did think that that's kind of the refrain that we've been going at through this is that this game is cool and we can see that there are a lot of cool things in there, but we know that they're out of reach to us. Yeah, it's hard to design a game that is going to give you cool things over time. Uh, and balance it around so- the fact that sometimes people don't finish their sessions. Sometimes people don't get to 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 encounter number twenty or whatever. Yeah. Sometimes they don't get to the reclass and the prestige or whatever. That. Not you not make- everyone has eighty hours of a board game. In yeah. Them. And <laughs> not everyone can meet with their friends that often. Yeah. I think whatever. the moral of the story is Destiny. Andrew, stop going to wrestling and play Gloomhaven with hold us. On, hold wow. on, Don't you, don't make don't that. Si- don't sign them up for another Gloomhaven. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, 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 I'm kidding. No, uh, but I did enjoy this, and I'm happy that we got to, it was something that was very different even from other board games that we played. Oh, I was yeah. happy to get to do it together. I this is like a that. whole genre of board game that, like, is, if you tell someone who isn't in this world, like, oh, I'm playing a board game, like, even if you're going beyond, like, Sorry or Candyland, mm-hmm. like people know that there are fun board, weird board games out there, but like this is a whole nother level, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. before I started playing board games with Destiny, Andrew, and Rowan, I didn't realize how many fucking pieces some of these came with. I yeah. didn't realize how complicated they could get. Um, like I knew there was stuff out there that was more complex than you know I I had played as a kid or you know up until now, but. I didn't realize how different they can get. Yeah, definitely. So I think that that's kind of a good uh, stopping point for us. We, we've really kind of ironed out our thoughts on this. Um, thank you so much for sending this in, Destiny. And before we move on, I have another email to read. What? Uh, to talk about what we might be doing around next time for uh, our guest episode. Let me pull it up real quick. Oh, Nick is looking at his phone trying to get the email right now. I wonder who could have sent it in. Mm. Well, this one says, A listener's request of no significant importance. Whoa. Obligatory greeting. When I was a very young child, we had very few games for the beloved Sega Genesis before the hostile takeover that the N64 ruled our household. Back then, I was but an only child, a silent female at birth, 
meant that I was bestowed the quintessential girl game for me. That game was called Echo the Dolphin. <laughs> In the year of our demons 2023, this game is far less mysterious, but my request for the pod is to not only play the game, but to be as blind to it as possible. Wow. wow. Echo the Dolphin is available Done. by Nintendo Switch Online with subscription for, uh, and it's on Steam for 99 cents. Don't play that version if you, uh, that's my editorialization. Don't play the, the Steam Classics version of a Genesis game if you can avoid it. Um, <laughs> And uh, pirate ships for dubious downloads. Uh, thank you, Sonic Forever ninety two. Wow. Yeah, so you. we know exactly who this is, and thank you very much wow. for sending it Pseudonym. in. Pseudonym. Yeah. Yes. Um, I. I've been told this is a very short game, so we might be able yeah. to finish the whole thing. I, I, think, I, I think I can finish it. It's probably echo the, that dolphin. I want to yeah. say it was. Was Echo the Dolphin made by Westerners? That's, I want to say it was made by so Westerners. So fucking funny uh, to call like it, it a girl be. game. I'd say it's I love that yeah, so yeah. much. Yeah, Megan like and I had a discussion about this, and I agree with her. <laughs> yeah, I can sort of see where they're coming from there, because, like, if, you know, you go to the store and you get... Um, I'm trying to think of what a good... You get fucking Gunstar Heroes and you get Echo the Dolphin. Gunstar Heroes yeah. is even too late. I should be going earlier well, for Genesis well, so stuff. In, in the 90s, you get you were, Altered Beast and you get Alex Echo the kid. Dolphin. Oh, so no, that, in, in the 90s, you, you were like one of three things. You were a big cat girl, a horse girl, or a dolphin girl. Oh, man. Uh, all right. See, that's, that's how this happens. Okay, okay. So, yeah, you're digging into the kind of animal identity uh, like uh, of, of ge- how things were gendered then. I yeah. was thinking more of like in terms of game genre stuff where yeah. like you had your action games and then you had your kind of softer action games where you got to play as something that is not so shooty gunny yeah uh and like a lot of sega games that i can think of could be described as as girl games in comparison to other things like a yeah. lot of the big vector sega man releases. was big with oh the yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah no, I, I was even thinking Rystar. of like, like Flicky. You guys were joking. well rystar is a great example actually oh yeah rystar is uh soft rounded features he's very pretty like sharp i don't know he's yeah. just he's got Big spikes on the back of him. I, he's like round on the front, and then he's a star. Yeah, but like his it's like he's, why? But like he's a, a star. He's like a even in terms of mascots, he doesn't have a ton of like attitude. He's very happy and enjoying himself kind of person. It's like cool okay. spot. And so, I'm thinking of like like Outrun. Outrun is like a very like kind of like oh you're you're driving a car well, with that a hot appeals to the male thing. fantasy. Yeah, you're driving a Ferrari with a hot babe is it's definitely a male fantasy, but it mm. is like a. It is not like a game that is based around conflict, you know? Yeah. It is. But we'll save all this for the Echo of the Dog. That's right. This will probably yeah. come up on, on the Echo of the Dog. Oh, yeah. Let me do that. But I've got something that is very much not a, uh, uh, you know, it's kind of maybe the opposite of a Echo the Dolphin. Echo the Dolphin has some nice things to say about our environment uh, mm-hmm. and animals. And um, uh, Armored Trooper Votoms, the anime, does not. Whoa. <laughs> Um, Cam is very happy that he can miss this, uh, which is part of the reason why I'm picking it. But um, Armor Trooper Votom. Cyber Cybertember. Cybertember is good. I like we're, that. We're one. branding it Cybertember. Yeah, That's it. Yeah. <laughs> For Cybertender, we are Cybertember. Cy- <laughs> oh, <man>. <laughs> I'm hungry. Cyber-tember? I could go for a Cybertender uh, right do now. I want some Cybertenders. <laughs> um, no, for Cybertember, we are going to be. Uh, uh, we are going to be watching Armored Trooper Votoms. I want you guys to at least complete the first arc, which ends on episode 11. Done. Um, but I would love it if we could go farther, because the farther you get, the better it is. It's it's really just a fun stuff. It's it's an old anime, so you know it has all the stuff that old anime has. You reused animation, crunchy sound effects, uh, little disco uh, synth yeah. stuff, which yeah. is 
it's very good, is what I'm trying Metaphors to say. Metaphors for war. Metaphors for war and real war. It's got both. <laughs> um, and uh, there's a lot of things that I like about this, and I haven't watched it since I first watched it back in like 2015. So All I'm right. looking forward to going into it again. Uh, and we will see you next time with that. That When that episode comes out, the Armor Trooper Votoms episode, we will be caught up temporally with you, the listener. Whoa. Right now, <laughs> we are not. We're back in time. Yeah, you, this, this episode that you're listening to right now was recorded two weeks ago. What? So, August 29th. Uh, a little peek yes. behind the curtain. Yes, that's right. And it, things are going to be a little weird. Uh, and, and I think they're going to write themselves right around October again. We'll so see. we will... Uh, we will and see you next time for Armor Trooper Votoms. Bye. Bye.